Welcome to Travels in a Mathematical World, a podcast from the Institute of Mathematics and its Applications, the IMA. My name is Peter Rowlett, this is episode 23. <laughs> Readers of my blog will know that I am relieved to have remembered to note that 23 is prime. 23 is an interesting number thanks to the birthday problem. In a group of 23 or more randomly selected people, there is a more than 50% probability that a pair of them will share a birthday. Astute listeners of the podcast may know that this time in each month, I go to the University of Nottingham and meet Sarah Shepherd to talk over some maths news. However, this month, Nottingham are getting ready to host the British Applied Mathematics Colloquium, the premier annual national meeting of applied mathematics in the UK, and an associated sixth form outreach day called Meet the Mathematicians. Sarah is very busy with the latter and is editing the current issue of I-Squared magazine, so we've put this month's news on ice for now. This week on the podcast, we have the pleasure of hearing again from Dr. Paul Shepard, who you may remember from episode 14, uh, Back by Popular Demand. Uh, Paul is a mathematician working in the Department of Architecture and Civil Engineering at the University of Bath, and speaks about two aspects of 3D modelling, decimation and subdivision. My name's Paul Shepard, and I'm a fellow of the Institute of Mathematics and its Applications, and I'm currently working as a research fellow in the Department of Architecture and Civil Engineering at the University of Bath. Uh, and I'm going to talk about what I'm doing as a mathematician in, a, in the field of architecture. Uh, and the, there are really two areas where I've been applying my maths, and in a way they're quite opposite to each other. The first area is um, helping some colleagues who have been researching uh, the origins of ancient architectural columns and particularly the nice decorative capitals that they have at the top and they to do this they've been traveling the world with a laser scanner and scanning in three dimensions these ancient relics and then bringing them back to the office to try and rebuild them, replicate them, look at them and we've actually been printing out some 3D models of them as well uh, using those rapid prototyping machines Um, and the problem they faced is that they uh, the laser scanner they just in a way just turned it up to full and said go so they came back to the office with about 5 million different points in 3 dimensional space uh, and were having trouble loading that into the computer. The computer memory and data storage just couldn't handle it. So they asked um, me if I could help them make sense of all this massive data. And so I've been writing software to implement mathematical algorithms to see if we can throw away some of that data without losing the information that it contains. So the way that is done is by assessing the shape. So we're trying to model a three-dimensional shape and in this case it was uh, the top of a column. But for example, let's think of an everyday table. If you've got a 3D model of that table made from lots of little triangles, uh, you may have uh, a thousand triangles to model the top of the table the top of the table is perfectly flat and you could equally well model it with 
two, two triangles, <laughs> and it would show exactly the same shape. Whereas if you look at the corner piece of the table, which is curved, uh, or a corner, then obviously you would need a lot more triangles to keep the shape modelled inside the computer. So I wrote some software to apply these techniques called decimation, which is decimating the model, throwing information away where it's not really adding anything to this to the thing. So areas that are flat, triangles get thrown away, and areas that are highly curved, triangles are retained, and I can take a model of theirs with two and a half million triangles and reduce it down to something like 30,000 without losing any of the definition. So that means they can have the same information, but they can then start modeling it on the computer, redrawing it, printing it, whatever. With much less memory. Uh, with much less memory and much faster processing times and things like that. Uh, so it's where maths has been used, I guess, to to throw away, selectively throw away information without losing the thing that you're trying to look at. In parallel with that, uh, I've been using a technique called subdivision surfaces to model architectural geometry, and that's exactly the opposite of decimation. In this case, we want to uh, model the bare minimum nuts and bolts of something and then add extra information in to make it a more accurate representation. So to put that into context, the techniques have been used in the animation and gaming industry, computer games with maybe people running around shooting each other. They have to model quite complicated things of how people look when they move, uh, whether they've been shot or not, whether they've bumped into a wall or not. And all these things take computer power. So to do that, you do it on a very bare model with minimum information. You maybe, again, if we go back to the number of triangles to represent the shape of a body, there may be only a few hundred triangles. And you can do the maths on that very simple model, work out where they are in space, how they walk, whether they've been shot. Uh, but then to get it to look nice on the screen, you need much more information, a much more detailed model. You don't need to look triangular because people don't generally look triangular. <laughs> so there are opposite techniques to the decimation that actually smooth the model out, make, put more triangles in to make it look smoother and more like a human. And these techniques are used in games and in films, and you can selectively uh, add more triangles say where they are closer to the viewer uh, and less further away and get the same results. So I've been using these techniques in the field of architecture to model buildings. So if we think of uh, these modern, nice, curvy, beautifully shaped buildings, things like the Gherkin in London or the British Museum roof, they are smooth, curved surfaces and there's a lot of engineering and thought gone into them behind the scenes. So if you want to work out uh, how they would move when it's windy or whether there's enough, the structural members are big enough, whether they're strong enough to support the weight of the roof, that takes computer processing power. So the idea with my software would be to try and apply that computer processing power on a rough 
bare bones model mm. um, and allow us to then generate optimal buildings, things that are really well, uh, really efficient, well thought out, well designed. And then after that sort of computer intensive process has been done, we can use this refining technique to then smooth the geometry and make it look really nice and uh, think about how it might actually be look as a surface of a building without having to do it do the complex mathematical engineering on such a detailed building. Within the engineering industry there are standard engineering mathematics that are applied to most buildings and within architectural industry there are standard architectural mathematical techniques that are applied. Uh, so as a more pure mathematician I guess it gives me the the insight or the overview and I've got access to a whole range of mathematical techniques that traditional architects or engineers haven't really had a background in using so it's it's interesting for me to see how to see what what I can bring to the mix if you like what new techniques that these guys have been missing out on all these years <laughs> so hopefully by bringing mathematics together with engineering and architecture we'll see that see what can come out of it and see what new things what how we can maybe solve existing problems in a different way more efficiently and uh, see if that, that see what comes out of it Right, I hope you enjoyed listening to that. I mentioned Paul also spoke on another aspect of his work, parametric geometry generation, in episode 14 of the podcast. You can get that, along with all other previous episodes, plus show notes related to each episode, via uk. If you want to find out what I'm doing, you can add me on Facebook. There is also a Travels in a Mathematical World Facebook fan page, and both are linked through from www.travelsinamathematicalworld.co.uk or you can follow me on Twitter through twitter.com slash peterrowlett and rowlett is R-O-W-L-E-T-T Right, thank you for listening.